Welcome to the Space Cave, a big warg to all of you. We'll get right into part two with Remington Scott. But first, a big thanks, as always, to people who support this show on Patreon. And this show is brought to you ad-free because of contributions from listeners just like you. Um, Shen Shen Zhang started at a $2 a month pledge. Really appreciate that. Andy Conan and Ellen Ron joined at the $10 level. Haven't even been putting out this show that much, so I really appreciate it. Trying to add to the back catalog. Uh, I think there are 100 episodes up on iTunes, so that means there's like over 100 that are out there somewhere, and I will slowly add them to the Patreon. I'll try to combine them, um, but let me know what you need, what you would like to see from the show, and I will do my best to make that happen. If you haven't listened to Intercepts yet, that is a scripted uh, sort of sci-fi. It's a sketch comedy podcast I do. You can find out more at davidhuntsberger.com or theendlessabyss.org. And if you haven't listened to These Are Those Tapes, the show I do with Wendy Molyneux, uh, you can find more about that at davidhuntsberger.com or thesearethosetapes.com. It's an improvised show where she and I just ramble and make stuff up for 25 to 30 minutes. Real fun, real silly. If you need something like that in your life, give that a try. Well, there's one more episode in this upcoming batch and then we'll get going on the next um set or season if you will okay let's get into it the future hyperreal.io look into it if you if you're unfamiliar what that is there's some terms in this blockchain web3 um open source if you're unfamiliar with any of these things or if this is what you're all about if you're really into it let me know if you know someone or you would like to be a guest and talk more about it i think it's such a uh, an emerging landscape or horizon for the future. We talk about the the concept of horizons in this. I think Remington is a very fascinating person and really doing very interesting things to help sort of shape the future and so that you could have some some ownership of your digital likeness going ahead. If that sounds confusing, look it up, hyperreal.io. We talk a lot about it in this one. Buckle in, here's part two. You had been talking about the fidelity getting so good that you're seeing kind of inside the pores and little minor wrinkles. And prior to that, you'd touched on having kind of a roadmap and living sort of in the future as opposed to the present. And I was curious how that all ties together and where you see that as far as in terms of entertainment and what that means for society and humanity as well when things get that realistic. Oh, well, we were talking about simulations of reality and hyper-real simulations of reality being that there's a a desire to be um, in a simulation rather than, um, more so than being in reality. Mm -hmm. Its concept is just fascinating. And and so we're just seeing that there's technology, David, we're seeing that there's a technology advancement, that there's um, 
a continued advancement in capabilities, software development, machine learning, AI, and we need to be able to control that in a way that uh, we can benefit as copyright holders and as creators. So that way, this is a tool set that we use to be able to expand our creativity and, and be able to control it effectively rather than something that is potentially out of our control. And there's always a possibility that um, there's a negative side to technology advancements. Um, so at HyperReal, we just want to make sure that the creators and uh, the builders and the, the talent that are um, a part of you know, our greater consciousness as far as creating content are, are in control, that have the ability to use new technologies and their assets are these core assets that will allow them to be able to monetize and have their IP and their copyrights protected. And do you see, so you're, you're working in the physical world, you're, 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 you're on set and say, you know, if you're directing someone or guiding someone or say in, in the days when you had the motion capture or motion control stuff on a person and, oh, go again, can you do this this way? And that's very hands-on. It's not too far off from, say, a hammer and a chisel and building something. But the thing you are building, if it does take on its own life, could present a world where, say, someone put on a VR helmet to practice a surgery. So they could leave that and be back in the real world, like, oh, here's where I do surgery. I guess like the 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 curiosity I have is there's all these projections where the simulation where AI kind of monitors humans. Like you don't have to do anything. You don't have to go to work. Everything you do is sort of for pleasure. You know, you you we run everything, everything's automated, and everything you do is just for fun. And then you could disappear into a simulation or a VR system and just kind of live there and food would be delivered to you in a little cube that you lived in. Or are people still going to be going on hikes? Are people still going to be getting out and seeing the world? And is there still going to be, like you mentioned monetization, do you see that still existing 20 or 30 years from now? Wow. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, yeah, I think I think more so in the future. Um, what we have and what we build needs to be able to be accessed by a global marketplace. And... Um, what makes everyone special should be digitized and they should own it and they should be able to, to use that in, in, um, with, with a whole new kind of revenue streams that are coming out there. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I would love to see a future in which AI is doing all the hard lifting for us and, and, and as a species, we get to just do the things that we enjoy doing and live beneficial lives, whether you want to be in virtual reality the whole time, you know, yeah. or you want to be outside and, you know, exploring the world and continuing to do that. Um, I, I, I don't see anything wrong with that vision. I, I like that too, but I want to make sure that the, you know, the individual has the rights that, that is theirs, their digital DNA, what makes them great, what makes them special as a performer, as a creator, that they have those rights and those, and those, and that is stored and ready to go and monetize at their discretion. 
to be able to be used in a way that they want to control it. And I, I think that's the key. And then, and then all those factors are, are about what each person wants and how they can interact on a global marketplace. Um, and then, you know, let everyone be able to make those decisions themselves. Uh, and, and, but as long as they have the capabilities, that's the key point here. Yeah. Um, I like on your blog that there's sort of a celebration of, you know, the 10 best performances by someone in, uh, um, I keep want to say AI, but like CGI perform, you know, so someone has to body control and I'm forgetting the person's name who was like Gollum, the, the most famous sort of, uh, Andy Circus. Andy Circus, Yeah. The, the legend of that world, kind of the originator, it seems like. Yeah, the brilliant actor and performer, and you know, totally embraces the technology. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, I think that's, you know, when we see people like that, um, you know, he he understands what it's like to be a, a performer, to engage with other people, but he understands what it's like to also be working with technology, and being able to transform himself fundamentally uh, into new spaces. Um, these are not always easy. Um, you know, I, th- I think I used to think actors were, would be the first people that we'd be working with. And they were when I first pretty much started all this digital doubles of actors and films it's sort of as a stunt double, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way, you know, the performer gets to do more than they could normally do. And you would really feel like it's still them rather than a stunt double that looks like them. But if you freeze the frame, you could see it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, digital doubles allow you to really have that continuity. And I, I thought before actors would then you know want to take that and continue to build upon their experiences. But I think that actors and performers might kind of come in a little later in, in this evolution as we grow and evolve, just because um, there's something so specific about performing in the real world mm-hmm. and having real things around them that they're, you know, I read about this a lot, that performers like to be on a set where the whole set is visualized for them and they feel like they're there in, in a tangible space. Mm-hmm. However, you know, this is a fundamental change in how things will be done in the future, in the very near future. And we're seeing that change uh, where people are performing in front of green screens more or they're doing more motion capture. And it's a part now of the tool set. And um, I think we're just going to have an evolution where performers have to feel more about, um, you know, how how the character feels um, and the world around them will be somehow visualized by a computer. Maybe it's performing inside of a computer simulation that will give you even more, um, a greater sense of performance. Um, you know, we don't, I don't know how that's all going to work out, but this is sort of, you know, wrapping itself around us and, f- and we are finding opportunities to interact and engage with the technology. And those opportunities, I believe it's important to be open um, to the opportunities and, uh, and keep an open mind because, you know, like when Andy Serkis walked in on Lord of the Rings, um, he had a very open mind and he just wanted to explore. And it was extremely, um, you know, 
um, infectious, if you will. It's like this exciting uh, feeling of seeing somebody explore a space that hasn't been explored to that level um, only because there's an opportunity to do so. And the technology was there at the time. So, you know, these pieces were all like adding to the combustion nature of the moment. Uh, and that's, I think that's the opportunity. And uh, people, uh, you know, out there right now who may not necessarily be uh, top actors, um, but there are performers who are extremely excited about this space because they can see how they can um, scale themselves and interact in a new platform. And it's a new virtual stage. So it's a, it's exciting for the right people and the right opportunities. And we want to be able to present those opportunities and help people grow there. I like that. And, and establishing that in the beginning, that this has value, that it is, because I feel like Andy Circus for the first 10 years, people, a friend the other day, uh, we were hanging out and his daughter brought up this article and was like, oh, did you know this thing? You can, if you turn on airplane mode, right, when it asks you to sign in or buy a membership to this blog or whatever it was, you get it. You get the whole article that you're looking for. You don't have to pay. And I feel like that's a fundamental thing of humans. Of like, I just want the thing. I don't want to know, you know, behind that is someone who took a lot of time to research it and write that article or someone in a, a green screen suit like Andy working where to pay the tribute or the respect necessary or even more so like financially to give them the credit to say this would not happen without them, I think is a good starting point. It felt like almost like that's what NFTs were trying to do. And maybe they fell because they were a little ahead of ahead of the curve. Like we're going to establish IP in the digital space so that this JPEG, when it shows up, I own that and everyone knows that's that's my thing. And maybe we're we're a little too far off from that future or are we, are we right next to it, do you think? You know, it's funny because the, the NFT space is something that we were monitoring very closely. And I've been waiting for that to happen for a very long time. Um, because, you know, and I think, I, uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned it here, but, you know, we were, I registered a hyper-real um, digital human on the blockchain in, around 2017, 2018. Whoa, no, we did not just, talk about that. That's cool. Yeah, thanks. Just, just because I, you know, I felt like the blockchain was going to be an important part of, of, of what this looks like. We were the first to do that. And, you know, you know, what we're creating fundamentally has value and it's an asset with value and assets with value are worth something. <laughs> yeah. And they're worth something because, you know, there's a rarity to it. Um, so my digital hyper model is mine. I have one of them. Um, this hyper model can appear in any number of millions of, of ways every day but it comes down to one core piece of digital DNA. And uh, and I think that has value. And I think it has lifetime value. So, you know, um, if you look at like the lifetime value of somebody who has sold their rights um, at the end of their lifespan or, or, or the estate has, mm -hmm. um, what does that, you know, what is that worth if you can multiply that by a digital asset that sits next to them, expanding their capabilities over the course of their life. I think that's a multiplier. And that has to have a value that you can, you can, you can kind of lock to 
And that's where NFTs, I think, were very interesting to me because it, it allowed us to assign that like VIN number yeah. to this unique vehicle. And that way, um, this, um, ha you know, is a one of one or, or whatever number it is, but it, it has a special you know, access to it. So, um, you know, in the big picture, um, everything we do, if we digitize it, it could be a part of its own identifier in the bigger picture. It's atomized digital DNA. And those pieces are all part of this ownership landscape that talent has. And um, whether that's an NFT or some other blockchain registered um, element, it's it's important that you know there is a registration and a copyright to it and an ownership. And then, and the tool sets around that are going to grow. So that way these core assets can be used and, uh, and enjoyed. I don't know yeah. that I understand this element well enough, but I'm curious if the limited bit that I do understand as far as like web one, web two, web three is way more open source and kind of ties in with Bitcoin and the idea that everything is available, the idea of having things with like a, an ownership or a registration is not necessarily, be, not necessary because it, it is so prolific. Everyone has it. Everyone has access to it. There's not a real reason to like withhold it because someone else has it in a different version open and available. And so say millions of people started biting the style of your human or the AI itself started generating millions of them and you had to try to track that all down. And is that a worry or is that something that will take care of itself in that space? No, that's what we want. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's, that's the golden age okay. uh, that, that is upon us is where, you know, um, I, I do something, whatever it might be. Maybe it's some quirky dance move, you mm -hmm. know, whatever it might be. Maybe it's the way I talk with my hands. I don't know. But it's something and it's recorded and I own it. And then there's someone out there that goes, oh, cool. I'd like to put that on my avatar. And they take it and they, they monitor, you know, you get paid for it and they license it and it goes on their avatar. And then other people go, oh, that looks really cool. I want to do that. And before you know it, something you did that's part of your signature source code, mm -hmm. who you are, everyone is using it to go do, to go express themselves in some funny, interesting way. And now you're part of a bigger part of humanity. And, you know, it, it's it, it, how we are going to share our digital DNA is important because we're going to, mm -hmm. we already do, but we're not attributing and, and protecting these things as much as we will be. And we have to, otherwise you're going to lose it all. So this is part of building that infrastructure so we can do that. So David, when you speak, you know, there's something maybe about your voice that, you know, um, you have built over your lifetime and building your, you know, this, the way you speak and, and even how you ask questions and think, these are all things that can be digitized and put into an AI. Mm -hmm. So that way you can control that moving forward and, people can enjoy that at as much bigger scale. Maybe it's, you know, using, you know, having the, you're licensing this out and letting people be able to say, um, you know, I can be interviewed 
by you. Yeah. And your AI is interviewing them and it's on point and it's working and everything. And then you could, they'd have hundreds of thousands of podcasts, <laughs> many people, yeah. and you scale yourself out like that, but you have to control it. Otherwise, someone's going to find a way to do it without your, you know, that that's kind of what's happening. And we need to make sure that, that, that you have the rights and everyone out there has the rights to what makes them important. It feels like corralling them in if they're all these little things are cattle and knowing how big your range is and the digital space is open ended. And so things could be happening on the far ends of it that you have no clue about. And going back to maybe web one, remember there would be stories of no one understood the value of having a website, like a domain. So someone would snatch up coca-cola.com or something like that. Is this similar? Is this a fundamental understanding of like, it's going to proliferate, it's going to flourish. And it's just about having that starting point so that you can know what brand is on your cattle, however far out they get. Yeah. And you're the brand. Mm -hmm. Like we see that, like, um, you know, you sign on to Facebook and you've signed away your rights pretty much, right? Have you, has everyone read those terms and agreements <laughs> and all this? Like that's what, that's what these companies are doing. They're taking your data mm -hmm. and they know what you like and what you don't like even before you know it because they know you so well. They've taken all your data points. You ever notice that sometimes like it's so scary that, that these, 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 you know, these ads pop up on your, on your social feeds and they're like so accurate to even what you're thinking about at that time. And you're like, I don't know if it happens to you, but it happens to me a lot. And I'm like, how did you even know I was thinking about this? Yeah. And it, it's it, it's just, it's a very, very complicated, high level um, algorithms that 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 understand you. And, and you've basically given that away as part of your digital DNA. And Web3 gives it back to you, I think. I think you get the opportunity to come back and be like, this is, I own this stuff and you got to pay me for it. Mm -hmm. And it, it should be for everybody. Yeah. So that's, why not? You know, why not? Why, why, why not have the opportunity to, to be able to participate in a, in a global new technology platform and, and, um, and, and find new meaning and, and new opportunities. I think that you're going to see a lot, I'm going to see a lot of new opportunities coming up. I'm excited. I, I, and I agree too. I think the old model was so, um, there was a feeling that you were losing something, but if everyone's giving a little bit and there is still like, I use this and therefore it is attributed back to this person. It goes back to Remington. It's his thing. He designed it, he made it, but I'm also giving something up too. And it, it, it has a natural ecosystem in theory that there's no real need for people to be hoarding and stealing and altering and, you know, doing all these things that are kind of synonymous with, oh, man, someone got in and hacked our thing. Someone duplicated or stole my identity. So this, you know, there's reasons for people to do that. And if that is diminished a little bit, that that's an exciting everyone sharing and collaborating and going forward very artistically. And um, that's fun. Yeah, I, I think I think it's going to be, you know, uh, all of that. I think we're going to have all of those opportunities. And, you know, what we're excited about is this transition that we've made from the 20th century to the 21st century. And there is a growth and there is a change and an evolution in mankind. We've been effectively explorers 
that have been out there exploring the world around us for hundreds, thousands of years, right? And we got to the place where we really couldn't explore that much more of this planet. We pretty much mapped it all. There's obviously, you know, places we haven't been to, like at the bottom of the ocean, but <laughs> You know, there's some people, <laughs> James Cameron, <laughs> right? Yeah. Doing that. But I mean, you know, for the most part, it's been explored. So then now we're going to the moon, then we're going to Mars, we just keep exploring out. But that that is going to change as an evolutionary change, where now we're going to ex go explore inward. And that exploration inward is where we're going to virtual worlds. And, and so we've seen this in like game spaces where we can now go and explore games and be a part of that. And that's opening up how we now start to engage and create new relationships. So there has been this evolution. And as we see this evolution on certain levels, there's other levels that are starting to come into it too. And when I say other levels, I'm talking about entertainment space where, you know, movies were all created in the 20th century through... Um, the technology of, of photochemical and lenses mm -hmm. uh, processes, and it was called film. <laughs> I mean, like it sounds so antiquated today, but this is literally the process where it's plastic strips that were exposed to the light, and you know it's what made cinema an incredible experience when you're in a theater watching this film projected. 24 frames per second, the grain, everything just had this look about it. And there was a moment in time where people started to get transitioned to digital and filmmakers on a very small level were exper experimenting with digital technology, digital filmmaking, no film, digital cinema, if you will, I guess. Mm -hmm. And they were recording things on chips, lenses and chips. And the community of the traditional film industry was like, no way is this ever going to replace feature film, cinema quality. I mean, you know, it was like an, an outcry, like, you know, this is not going to, you know, yeah. this is not going to, you know, this is for consumers. This is not what professionals will do. And then flash forward 10 years and every single feature film is being created on a digital chip. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's when you look at the history of cinema, you know, it's, or, or, you know, I mean, you're talking about almost a hundred years of film, maybe longer film. And then within 10 years, it just completely changed. Yeah. And, and you had, you had, you know, there was the worldwide network of the highest level professionals all of them in agreement. You could put every single one in the room. I think there'd be maybe one or two people who would raise their hands and be like, I think the future and then shut, <laughs> shut down completely because that's not, but then boom, that happened. And the same thing happened with um, broadcasting. You know, we were broadcasting in, um, in analog signals since 1928, I think. And all through the 20th century, it was a four by five aspect ratio. And um, at some point in the 1990s, there was the first digital broadcast signal, I think it was like 95. And then by 2009, 
the, the U.S. transitioned all broadcasting to digital. No more analog signals. So mm -hmm. all the infrastructure for every major broadcasting network and station went digital. Yeah. I mean, that period of time, again, it's a short period of time. So, you know, you take these trends and you look at it and you go, we are moving towards um, living on a chip where we don't even have a camera isn't necessarily going to be the future of how we interact. It's it's just going to be like we have to we don't even know, but it's going to be all computer generated. And those digital humans um, will be in those digital worlds and digital, all digital dimensionalized assets are going to be this, this whole new landscape. And, you know, um, we can see that, that we've been moving there across how the trends are playing out. And you could see it even in, in films now, not just the digital transition to digital uh, feature films, um, but like, completely computer generated movies like avatar 2 mm -hmm. where um i have no idea how much of that was filmed uh, you know or when i say filmed it was shot on a camera yeah and how much of it was computer generated but it is masterful in how it all came together and it you know if it's not all computer generated it will be very shortly and you know disney bought fox I think to get this movie, <laughs> you know, because I mean, the many other reasons, but this is the future of it, like what they're doing. Yeah. And, you know, it's an animated film. It's like a s simulation of reality. And, um, and we're not really seeing that many more animated movies like that we used to do with 2d animation. Yeah. So we're evolving and how we, and how we see things. So, you know, it's very important, um, to, to, as a general outlook now to be very open-minded in how we're moving forward. So that way, you know, you know, people aren't stuck saying things <laughs> and getting quoted, you know, protecting something that was valuable at a certain period of time. But the reality is that um, because of the changing and evolving and dynamic of being human and technology and how we are um, integrated with technology, you know, our values are going to change too. Yeah, I I love that precipice and the thinking of how quick that ten year period was of an of undeniable change, an abrupt like paradigm shift. I think of um, Vince Gilligan had a story where he he was one of those. When you mentioned last time we were talking about um, acclaim and some of the two D animators, ah, this this is the future, and they they walk out and there's these purists, these traditionalists. And he was kind of one of those. And then George Lucas, his hero, was like, come watch a screening with me and afterward tell me if it's film or digital. And he, he couldn't. He was, And that was the breaking point for him or the threshold of like, okay, I'm sold. This person I really look up to, I was convinced I'd see some pixels or I'd see something, but I didn't. It looked as good as film. And then that's the end of that. And thinking of us as explorers and how we're resistant to change. You're probably familiar with a period where you knew several people like, I'm never getting a cell phone. And now that's just kind of asinine to think about. And kind of the moment we leave a hunter-gatherer lifestyle and there are tribes still existing that way around the planet that we hear about and like, unbelievable. They have to peek over bushes and see a big city and then pretend that kind of doesn't exist and go back to living in a very um, primitive way. And what is their entertainment? 
you know, you think of maybe like Pacific Island culture where the haka dance, and now you'll see kids at school, like in full school uniforms doing that. And it's this merging of the two of like, when if you're sitting there with no external entertainment of any sort, that is vital to have a rain dance or something you can all get together and pass down traditionally. And as we move into a more uh, technology-driven culture, film is kind of that for us. And movies and video games are these things we pass down. And, and as they move forward, my friend Dave Farina was very like, we're, we're going to miss aliens looking for us because we're going to go into our technology. We're going to stop searching outwardly and we're going to go inward. But if you go hiking these days, like trails are still pretty full. I think humans are going to figure out a way to balance the two. But yeah. it is an interesting thought to think, you know, opera is still around. There must have been a period where they were like, there, was a, there used to be an opera house on every corner. And now there's just one. And maybe that's what film will become. You'll go see an Avatar type movie. But art house, student films, the things we mostly watch just on a kind of weekly basis do you really need to go to a theater to see them? I think people are going to find, I don't like hearing people talking and I don't like all the, I need there to be, I'm here, you shut up. We're all very focused. This is a big moment. Kind of like as sad as it is the opera. So maybe film will become that. It's hard to say what it'll be in 10 or 15 years. It's hard to say. Um, but in, you know, there's trends and, and it's, you've said a couple things there that, that I, I want to take a moment and, um, address, um, it's so funny you said Pacific Islanders because uh, I was thinking uh, because it's it's an example of thinking of the way to, to think, and one of the ways that you know I lived in Hawaii f for ten years, and Hawaii is in the middle of nowhere. It, it is it is like like five or six hours by plane to any land mass that you're going to get to, mm -hmm. and you go how did these people find this island in the middle of nowhere you know to 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 get here and they were down in the in 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 polynesia you know going from island to island and they would stand on on the um on their island and they would look out to the horizon and they would see just over the horizon maybe like another something out there and they'd get in the boat and they'd go paddle and then they'd get to they get to another island and then they'd get there and they'd stand and they'd watch and there's just something else and they do that again. And so that was like the way that they train themselves that just over the horizon, there's going to be something more. Ah. And that's how they just kept going and going and going <laughs> until they found Hawaii. Because <laughs> otherwise the Europeans had a different way of looking at things. They'd go out in the boat and after you go out, there's nothing there. It's flat. It's <laughs> the end of the earth. Yeah. And they go back or something. When it, like, who knows? They, they didn't go explore to like this. There was a different mentality. And um, that's the mentality technologists need to have. You need to be like going out and knowing that just beyond that horizon that you can possibly just sense the tip of something there. You know, you're not sure, but you're going to go to it. And when you get there, that's going to be something that unlocks the next horizon. Mm-hmm. And that's what we talk about at Hyperreal. We talk about horizons, horizon one, two, three, and we and we try to see how we could get out to however however many horizons we can get to, and we plan that. And um, so, you know, I just wanted to mention that to you because you mentioned <laughs> it's a funny <laughs> story, uh, but you know about the opera houses and theaters. I I 
would much rather be on my couch at home on my TV watching a movie. And I, I have, you know, I think everyone out there right now has no excuse for not having a great television. <laughs> you know, I mean, this, this, the high definition TVs are super cheap. They're really large and they just keep getting bigger and cheaper, you know, and there really is no, no, re no need until you want to go see Avatar 2. And then you go to the movie theater. And like when I saw that in IMAX 3D at 60 frames per second, you know, with the sound and everything, and it was like an absolutely incredible experience. And that's why you want to go to the movies because, the, you know, they're going to be these like bigger experiences. So, yeah. Do you need so, to get going? Um, well, um, we're, we're, um, I got about 10 minutes left here. What do you want? Okay, to sure. Uh, I, maybe I'll ask you just one final question uh, that ties into that, which is, so you, I like that thinking, that philosophy of get to a landmark, look for the next horizon, have three marks ahead to get to. And when you see something like Avatar 2 and what our brains can process and see and say that is very high quality, does it feel like the end of the earth? Does it feel like we've, we've reached it? You know, how do you look beyond that and go, what's next that a human brain can even process? Real time, more of it in real time. I think, I think, I think what we're going to see is like the amount of time and effort and, and money it took to build the Avatar films, you know, it is amazing. Um, technology advancements, creativity, and, and all of these people, you know, look at the credits and it's just columns of names that go on. It's resources, you know, I, I have to say, you know, spending, whatever, 24, 25 bucks on a ticket, you know, buys you half a billion dollars worth of value. <laughs> it's a great ticket. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't, you know, you, I don't know what you could spend that kind of money on that will give you that kind of value. It's incredible. So this is amazing and it should be celebrated. Um, and, and I certainly do respect everyone there. Uh, on these projects, because it takes everyone to do something like this. It's amazing. But to be really clear, AI and generative AI is going to make this type of event happen faster and, and, and at lower costs. And th there will be a day in the very near future where you will have movies like Avatar generated through generative AI and, um, you know, by a few people and, and large training models. Mm -hmm. And, and, and potentially you may even have people, um, taking all that, all that source data from the movies, training it, making their own avatar movies without the rights. Yeah. Without paying. And now, you know, and, and that really is a potential future that can happen. So it's there's, there's dangers there. I don't know if you hear it, but there's, it's just a hailstorm right now. Oh, no. I can't hear it on this end. <laughs> it's coming out really loud. So I'm sorry if it's... Um... No, I'm not hearing it amazingly. That It's got to be really distracting. Well, I won't keep but, you all afternoon. I had I have one more question, but I don't want to keep you all all day. So maybe we can do this again sometime or something. But you yeah. touched on the the philosophy or philosophically safety and security, and I guess we'll just see as the time gets here how humans react to that, and you know, 
apps wanting to have all of our information, our data, know where we are. There's safety in that of having knowing where people are. There's fewer murderers and serial killers in, in the physical world. There's also fewer freedoms, you know, as far as oh, I got to do this retina scan, but then I get led into this world, this digital space, or I have to do a fingerprint or uh, a saliva test or, you know, whatever it may be to give up to explore these spaces. Maybe that's just where it's going. I guess we'll, we'll see. I'm not into that. I'm not into giving up freedoms. So how do you, all. how do we balance them then? You know, that's the thing. You don't need to give up freedoms. Okay. That's the thing. You don't need to. And and I think that those that want you to are going to try to create a very convincing argument that you have to. And it's the danger that's the danger of where we're at, where we're gonna have to convert to all digital economy and then there's a control system on top of that and some people may not have the ability based on social status to be able to use their ability to buy certain things or get certain places. And we've seen it and seen it in China. It's happening there. It's not science fiction. Right. So I don't believe that that should be where we are in the future for the United States or for any free country in the world. I think that there needs to be a, you know, a, a you know, a global, um, global community of, of, of citizens that believe in freedom. Yeah. Yeah. To ha and something like the, the Coca-Cola IP or having that domain to have legislation in place for things that are decades away, just for the security measure of like, when we get there, this maintains these freedoms, this establishes that it, it doesn't become this kind of futuristic, people are always projecting that sort of, oh, it's, it's divided and it's all these uh, sectors and things and like you mentioned, not having the access and so on. But it seems yeah. like you're aware of the, the big picture in a way that's uh, it's comforting. Sometimes you think people in movies, they're always, I was like Bond villains. I was working ahead and I didn't think of it. And they <laughs> left some <laughs> giant wake behind of not thinking ahead. But you seem to have like a good overall picture of how it can be and how it can be done efficiently and ethically. I like that. Thanks. We're, we're, um, we're definitely not bond villains. We're, we're, we're on the side, we're on the side of trying to, 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 to help, um, people and, and, and what they, and their best uses and capabilities for, for technology. We want to make sure that, um, you know, any inappropriate misuse is, is out of the equation for what we're, we're building. Um, it's a, you know, it, and, and that's part of architecting um, the roadmap moving forward. We have to make sure that the roadmap is for everybody. We might start initially for a few people, but, uh, and, and have some very fascinating high level use case studies that allow us to, to really create incredible premium work and, and content and, um, and very engaging new IP, but, you know, as we move down this road, everyone should have the ability to uh, be able to protect their ID and have a digital identity that's cross-platform and, and they control it and they can you know, monetize this and be able to, to, um, to enjoy all the benefits of what the future technologies and um, the economies are going to be offering. So you know, we're um, just trying to help figure out how that's going to be Put together 
That's so cool. Well, Remington Scott, it's it's a fascinating story, fascinating career. I'm really glad that you stay looking ahead to the next horizons. I'm excited to see what you make. And thanks for making so much cool stuff so far and, and sharing a little time talking about it. It's really interesting. Thanks, David. It's been a real pleasure. Um, really, thank you for having me on and love to do it again anytime. Great. So, thanks. I'll, I'll bug thanks Eric everyone. about that. Okay. See ya. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Hyperreal.io. Thanks again to Remington Scott. I really enjoyed that conversation. I hope you did as well. The future, it's coming right at us. And uh, hopefully we're doing a good enough job or a better job going forward of taking care of this planet so that we have opportunities to experience those things. And we'll see. Um, Anyway, thanks for listening to this show. As I mentioned, thanks to the Patreon people. These are those tapes, intercepts, all of that can be found at davidhuntsberger.com. Let's get out of here. This is some music by Julia Jacqueline. This song came out a few years ago, I think maybe pre-pandemic when I had a little list of songs that I was going to do, or maybe, no, I don't think it's that old. I think it's just a year or two old. But I haven't been putting the show out as regularly as I normally would. So I think when I first stumbled upon it, it had a level of views on the YouTube where I was like, ah, that'd be fun to help out a song like that. I like it. And now it's at over 300,000. So this isn't a hidden gem necessarily. I think it's a relatively popular song. Uh, But if you haven't heard it, well, now you have. Enjoy. It's called I Was Neon, Julia Jacqueline. Thanks for stopping by this episode.